Warning! Beyond this point, mascots and members of the mascot community will be getting unsuited. This is the Unsuited Interviews. Hello and welcome to our very first Unsuited Interviews. Um, on the line with us is Willis Harris, all the way from Tampa Bay, Florida. Hey, Willis, how do people know you? Uh, people know me as the best friend and the coordinator of the mascots for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, and also <laughs> wearing many hats, uh, dancing security guards, dancing groundskeepers that have worked their way into the Internet and to people's hearts and living rooms. Uh, over the last 10 years, going viral repeatedly. And I, I would say most people recognize me for that more so than anything else. I think you've been in my social media feed uh, more than anything in the history of mankind. Um, so here's your last chance to bail. Are you ready to get unsuited? <laughs> yes. All right, so let's start from the very beginning. How did you start down this career path in the mascot industry? It It was a very long but easy road for me uh i went from being very ambitious and wanting to do something crazy like be a you know neurosurgeon from being a neurosurgeon to be a lawyer (laughs) and then went from being a lawyer to being a a wrestler this is all in my mind as a child and uh i kind of toned it down from being a wrestler once uh jane fonda worked her way into my middle school and she funded a program that was like an after school program where we would come together and create skits and do improv work and go and see uh, improv theater actors go to work, you know, in, in their in improv theaters uh, in the streets of Atlanta. Uh, it, it was quite the renaissance back then. It was popping in the 90s with all the improv theaters. It's kind of like a, a dying art now. You don't see that many of them around, no. but it was a great thing to see uh, as a child, and uh, I always aspired to be that guy on the stage back then. And so I modeled everything I did from then forward uh, to being an entertainer. And uh, even through high school, acting in plays and uh, writing stuff, poetry and doing speeches and, you know, being an FGA president and being able to be on the loudspeaker every morning uh doing all kinds of fun stuff after school uh working with the band doing dances out in front of the homecoming i did my first dance routine on the field uh for my homecoming uh i remember it like it was yesterday i was dancing to p diddy uh, <laughs> doing the hall of shake and my principal thought i was having a seizure but <laughs> it was uh it was great fun and uh i went on to college and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Didn't know exactly where I was going to take the degree, but I went for it. Took me four and a half years to go to Georgia State University and get a theater degree. And uh, I took that and kind of dove in head first into the mascot world. Uh, long story short, it's a uh, kind of a very sacred, secret society of people. But I happened to know one of them, and uh, he kind of put me on and pushed me in the direction of uh major league baseball and uh i that was history from there so with learning and uh aspiring to be like jay fonda because she funded this program and went on to work for ted turner uh with the atlanta braves for six years 
And that that was just phenomenal because my first experience going to that stadium or at least seeing the Braves, because I think it were two different stadiums by the time I, uh, I think it was uh, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium back when I went as a child. But the next time I went, uh, I was working there uh, for Ted Turner as a mascot there. And that was amazing. Wow. Especially since uh, the first time I got there was on free tickets from the library for reading books. <laughs> <laughs> so I took my mom, I read my way to the ballpark. And the next time I was working there and creating magic for kids. See, so. I'm kind of jealous. Me growing up, we had book it. So we got like a free pizza. We didn't get baseball tickets. Yeah. Uh, the team I work with, the Rays, they do it now. Read your way to the ballpark. And I think that's awesome. Encouraging the kids to read most you know, importantly. And then uh, letting them have some fun and come out to the ballpark. So uh, you're from Atlanta. Um, there's a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot of guys and uh, a lot of mascots in Atlanta in that area. Um, which mascots were there that you kind of saw growing up? You're like, you know what? Maybe I want to do that. Honestly, I I didn't see a lot of them. I grew up poor. So, I, I mean, I didn't go to a lot of events. Like, we didn't have money to do that kind of stuff. The only time I went to go to the ballpark was, like I said, when I ran my way to the ballpark. But the mascot, Homer wasn't even allowed in the bowl at that point. So I really, I didn't even come in contact with him. The first time I saw mascots was in, in high school. And then, uh, my best friend, uh, got a job working at six flags over Georgia. And he was doing foghorn leghorn in a stage show, uh, at six flags. And, uh, he's like, man, this is so much fun. You got to come over here and try this. We're like 16, 17 years old. And, uh, I took a job. I uh, immediately didn't hesitate, went on over there and interviewed, got the job. And I did Foghorn Leghorn on the street. Uh, so street characters and stage performers were two different, you know, things. You know, you had to be more skilled to be on the stage. Uh, so I just started off on the street. I never got to the stage there. But uh, definitely a different world working for a theme park than working as a sports entertainment, you know, character or a mascot. Uh, very different worlds, although very similar. Uh, I like to call the amusement park world more like uh, Groundhog Day, where things are exactly the same every day. Yep. Out there on the street, you go mm-hmm. to the same location, you wave, you hug, you do nothing more, you take pictures, you stay there for 30 minutes, you go back for 30 minutes. You stay there for 30 minutes, you go back for 30 minutes. And it quickly can get kind of boring, uh, whereas the mascot world is more based on improv although you know you got to have some kind of plan that's what improv is you got a backbone you got a spine of a story but <clears throat> of where it should go but you kind of got pushed to buttons and see where the crowd goes and if it's not working one way move it to the other end of the spectrum you know making moves and dancing right there on the spot and making up choreo all kinds of crazy things can be done when you're in the mascot world as opposed to being a street character uh, in an amusement park, which is where I began more than 16 years ago. You bring up improv, and um, we've talked about it on the the podcast many times, and I I believe that's one of the most vital tools um, that somebody should try to learn. Have that as your arsenal because improv can get you out of a lot of trouble. uh, Honestly... What I was taught when I majored in theater was that theater was a story, you know, more so of life. It's a, it's a study of life. 
uh, and improv is a, is a vital tool in, in, in learning and growing in, in knowing acting and theater and that kind of stuff like that. It's like a lifeblood that I feel like we take for granted and we're like taking it away from the society. It's almost like <laughs> we're being lobotomized, but, uh, that's another story. So, but, uh, so let's let's talk we, more about that. Let's talk about the uh, improv training. Um, did you have formal improv training, like um, kind of like like Second Street and those type of um, organizations, or was it more um, like a club? Uh, what do you mean, as far as with improv training? I mean, did you did you take classes? Were you involved with something well, that was more first, formal? It was at first. It was very informal. It was just a group uh, of kids that were you know put together. Uh, voluntarily, of course, in middle school. And that's what that was. It, it was very simple, but, you know, had backing, funding. Jane Fonda, you know, millionaire, she's got money <laughs> the program, but uh, she, you know, took care of our transportation, our food for all these things, and where we had to go places and, you know, covered us uh, at the improv theaters, a lot of kind of stuff. So that's what that was in middle school. But uh, in high school, uh, going to Booker Tally Fair Washington Comprehensive High School, the first black high school east of the Mississippi. Uh, literally, Martin Luther King went to school there, uh, took great pride in going there. And uh, like I said, I was SGA president there, but also did a lot of plays and uh, speeches there. Uh, and we created a program called the Tally Farrell Project. Uh, me and my best friend, who is also in the industry, and he will remain nameless. <laughs> but, uh, he and I created this project along with, uh, of course, our teacher, who was our mentor. He taught me how to dress, taught me how to act and project and not play in rehearsal and, and go full out and all this kind of good stuff. It never existed at the school before. We created that. And uh, we went on to do like one act play festivals and things like that. At one point, I snagged a... Uh, best supporting acting role uh, there. So that's what that was in high school. So I did it in middle school, did it in high school, knew I wanted to do it professionally, didn't know what avenue I was going to actually take because I didn't feel like I wanted to battle with everyone and try to go to Hollywood and be the supreme actor above all these other people that are trying to be supreme actors out there. And I just chose a smarter role, I think, uh, it's a more humble role because no one really knows who you are and they can't see your face while you're doing it. So it, it's, it's, a it's a humbling role. It, it, it's not, you know, Tyler Perry's meet the Browns, but, uh, it, it pays the bills consistently. So I, I chose to go down that road instead of being a starving actor. Yeah. I mean, we, we've used the term, um, part-time celebrity um, when referring to mascots, yeah. because it's one of the cool industries where you could be the, the star of the show and then get out of suit and cut. Nobody knows you who know. you are. Right. So, I mean, going back to your, like you, so you have your theater degree, you have all this, you know, training and all this work doing speaking parts and stuff where your face is being used almost like um, you can like pantomime and things where you can use those to your advantage and then you are in a suit completely covered, can't talk, they can't see your facial expressions. How did you evolve into your style of how to, you know, be bigger than the suit and come to bring the character to life? 
Um, nonverbal communication. It, it is the <laughs> absolute fundamental in not only acting, but definitely in mascotting, uh, being larger than life and using your extremities uh, to, you know, the best of your ability. And it's, it's, it's a lot easier when you're a fat character. I played countless, countless, countless characters uh, from Harlem Globetrotters to Atlanta Braves to others nameless in Atlanta. Not going to name who I've stepped in for. Uh, but just about everybody from sports teams to corporate mascots. But they were all thin characters mm-hmm. with like big heads. And now I come to this giant thing, which is cute and fuzzy, which doesn't honestly require so much, uh, you know, exertion to make people laugh and entertain. It's actually easier when you're fatter, uh, <laughs> when you're moving, you're moving fatter parts. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's like the Simpsons Homer. Everybody likes to laugh at the fat guy. What, what was the learning curve like? If you, you go from being the suit where it's, it's kind of like just wearing a, like a uniform, you know, with Homer, it's just kind of a baseball uniform with a big head. What's the learning curve switching to a suit that has the fat belly, um, even a bigger head, um, and obviously a lot more fur? Uh, you got to learn the fundamentals of comedy, you know, uh, low-hanging fruit, uh, you know, the simple stuff like, you know, the rule of threes, doing things three times. Uh, it's more the mental game of comedy more so than the physicality of running around and doing flips and things like that. Uh, which, and dancing, which I love to do in costume, you know, out there in the Braves, uh, in Homer running around being animated and running out and leading the band and dancing with people out in the plaza before the games. Cause I, like I said, back in our day, back in my day, <laughs> you weren't allowed to go inside the bowl You're and not entertain that old. anybody. <laughs> so we had to entertain the people before they went into the game to enjoy the the you know the actual sporting event. See, I'm glad you said uh, that. I've heard that the Homer wasn't. I was like, how is the mascot not allowed inside? Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> it's a quality of a baseball purist team, which I could write a whole another chapter on how they're opening it up now, and they've got blooper, which uh, I auditioned for and came in uh, very, 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 very close. I'm not going to say exactly how close but uh yeah that was the next chapter in in the Braves evolution and and i think other teams are going to jump on board too i think the dodgers are about to make that decision i don't know if the yankees ever will but who knows i've seen crazier things happen well speaking Uh, it works i mean look at the red sox they they just multiplied they got tessie now yeah so they got two mascots out there the formula works so, sliding away from baseball real quick, you, let's talk about teams grabbing mascots all of a sudden. Um, what's your thoughts on Gritty? I mean, he <laughs> was the most shocking thing of 2018. And I think every team tries to get that same effect when they un- unveil the mascot. You had it with the California Condor. Uh, you had it with the Pelicans at one point and they had, it was so bad. They had to change it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think they've gone through it a couple of times, but, uh, you have that shock and awe value that 
initial shock and awe value is, is very important. It's like what people always say about first impressions and how they're lasting. Uh, that's exactly what Gritty got last year. And he capitalized on that with social media. And now you have like this social media giant uh, known as Gritty. And he's not even, what, a year old? He's a year old yet? Not even. No, he came out not before even. the hockey season started, which would have been late September, early October. Yep. So it, he he was ugly, but he was ugly enough that people could tolerate him. <laughs> I, I, I think um, one of the big things about him is that he is so hard to look at that like Philadelphia is like, you know, it's like the ugly baby thing. It's like it's so ugly that it's almost cute again. Exactly. And and, and they are doing a. I mean, their their social media is kick ass. And I, I think it's a cool idea. And it's something I would have when I was uh, performing, I would have never given up the rights to not have my own social media like he's like the performer's not the social media person. You know, it's it's a it's another person who is has no emotional tie to the character. And I, th- I, I think that's what makes it work. Uh, I think it's safer for you, the performer, to not be that guy that gets in trouble with the keyboard. And, and I, have, I have gotten in trouble. I have, I, I have done that. And like I, like I said, the, the, the control, controlling person and a lot of the mascots I've, I've worked with or been around, you know, they want that control. It's their character they're, you know, they're creating and they want that voice on social media. But with Gritty, I can understand. It, may, it makes more sense now that you're looking at it. You're like, oh, you know what? You're going to get trashed on. You're going to get all this stuff. You can you know, move yourself out of that. You don't even have to know what they're saying about you or you know, people are doing or you know, making fun the of you. The first thing you said about it was that you have the emotion tied yeah. up into it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a double-edged sword. Yeah. I, and people get emotional. I mean, Bailey's doing that right now. Bailey's has spouted off and has, you know... He's taking some flack um, on a national. I'm sure his fan base in L.A. is, you know, cheering him on, but he's taking some national flack. Um, and he, I mean, you could tell it's he's the, the performer is the social media voice. Yeah, some teams do it, some teams don't. Every program is different. Are you uh, social media savvy? I am, but I would prefer someone else handle that. All right. Um, so let's get into more about <laughs> that I had to put away to decide that I wanted to be, you know, long-term and not just here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't want to be uh guns blazing going out. You don't want to be that. You don't want to be on the news because well, they, they put you on the news for that stuff. Right. Right. I mean, I've been on the news. There's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a very, uh, there's a very thin line that you're walking every time, every time you perform it. I thought, there's an old video um, of you getting snatched up by a Red Sox fan. Um, yeah, grab, there was uh, grabbing the hat. There were some charges involved in that. So really, I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, that's <laughs> fine. I don't blame you. But I think that was a fine but line there is, of there. There, there is uh, evidence of what happened on Google. If you Google it, oh yeah, we'll post it. No. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll we'll remind everybody what happened. Um, no, but I, without really talking about it, it's it's a fine example of how hard it is, you know, taking the emotion out of it and just walking away from it because only bad was going to happen. 
Like right. there's no there's no winning unless you, the only way to win that was to walk away because I mean that's Boston fans. Everybody knows this about is Boston a, fans. Another reason why you have to choose the right person to carry that role because every day they're walking the line and every moment, every gesture, they're making a decision uh, which could impact your company. But you know what? I think with today's industry, you know, we talked uh, earlier a little bit about the heyday, you know, the heyday is kind of gone in the mascot industry. Teams are going cheaper. They're going younger. They're going less experience. Um, cause they're just kind of like, here's a rule book. Good luck. Just don't do anything. You know, it's almost like they handcuff the performer because they don't want them to, you know, swing for the fence and maybe cause trouble, but they're getting people that are, you know, one year, two years max before they move on or decide they don't want to do this. And I mean, I, I, that sounds dangerous to me. It's a recipe for disaster. Uh, is this the ticking time ball hasn't gone off yet? Or maybe it has. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just don't the, know about it. the Mets mascot did that. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a that was an example. And that's uh, something I think all young performers. Um, anytime I, I speak to new people, or we get in a locker room. You just have to remind everybody. Everybody's got cameras now. They're everywhere. You cannot do something, you know, slyly and not get it caught on camera somehow. Right. Sometimes perception is everything because you could be doing one thing and it's perceived as something else. Uh, so it just goes back to show you like every move is being watched and every moment you're in there, you are making decisions that will make or break you. Like you're making risk reward decisions. You got to calculate. It's so, it's so scientific. Like I can break it down for you. Like, (laughs) You have it's like numbers in your head going off. Like you have to have like a genius in there. Oh yeah. And, uh, I think one of the greatest examples of that is uh, Orbit in in Houston. Like you're just flying off the cuff, but you're making calculated decisions. It's assessing risk versus reward every moment you're out there doing something. It's it's incredible to watch. And I think people take that for granted. They think that that's a, a good performer. They see a solid performer that can that can not cross that line, but straddle it a little bit. And it's a lot harder, I think, than people really really understand. Right, you're not going to get many reactions doing normal things. Uh, I mean, sometimes being simple is better, but when you're out in the middle of, you know, thousands of people, you got to do something to grab an eye. Uh, that's going to make people talk, but you know, social media, uh, things happen. You got to be able to react to, Oh, what did you do? You, you had a moment there, you blew it, you know, <laughs> everything, it, everything happens in the moment. So you have to have a calculated person that's going to make a calculated risk reward decision right there on the spot. And either nail it or they're gonna blow it. Yeah, but hopefully, if you blow it, you get a, a second crack at it. It's not a you know do or die situation. And, you know, kind of like when um when I auditioned for Raymond and uh, I came out of the dugout for the first time, they did the introduction and I tripped over the final step and ate it. Absolutely I mean, face planted. We live in a very you know sensitive society, and oh, yeah. mascots are the hugest target. Uh, for the, the, the liturgist society we live in, uh, you're walking on eggshells every day. So every, next day, 
every day could be your last. You have to assess everything that you're doing because one wrong move could screw you. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's, it's the performance parts, one aspect of that, um, fine line. Then you add the social media part to that. I mean, there's, there's so many ways you can get yourself in trouble. Um, that it seems almost like not worth it these days, but I mean, it's definitely, you got to have that love for the performance. Of course. Uh, sometimes I'm like, why do I do this? And I go back and I watch, you know, performances and I'm like, all right, this is why I do this. <laughs> this is rewarding to just sit back and, you know, kind of observe the fruits of your labor. Yeah. It's, uh, it's worth the pain that you go through. Uh, you know, socially, uh, you know, actually going through physical pain of wearing, you know, 25 pounds uh, and running up and down stairs, uh, doing that for, you know, six hours at a time, uh, sometimes seven to 12 days in a row and doing that, you know, approximately 81 times a year at minimum. And then add on top of that, you know, 150 to 200 appearances at minimum around in the city. And we live in a hot city. Oh, Florida, yeah. <laughs> we live in a hot state. <laughs> so it's, yeah. uh, it's a lot you go through to enjoy the fruit of your labor. Yeah, I don't know how you baseball guys do it. I mean, you have the most number of home games. And then you also do a lot of uh, road appearances for like birthday parties for other mascots, too. You know, and then you have all your appearances and everything. So I think baseball mascots probably have the most appearances. And it's also most most stadiums, I think, are outdoors, too. So that sucks even more. But like I said, the light at the end of the tunnel, the fruit is the work that you get to put out and get to watch it, you know, stand back and watch it. Like I, sometimes I just put videos on YouTube and it changes a lot when you have children, because I have children, I have two kids and they completely understand what's going on and they are absolutely wrapped up and enthralled with the work that I do with these characters. Uh, cause we have a lot of them. So like for fan fest <clears throat> this year, we put on a show that was 20 minutes long. Uh, and it was literally, all conceptualized by myself, uh, just like a, a thought bubble that came into my head. Like, all right, uh, we're going to put on a show that we could do. It could be a television show. And we're just going to, you know, entertain for 20 minutes. And like I said, it could have been a television show. If you put 10 minutes of commercials, you know, in between, it, it, it was a beautiful thing to just sit there and watch it and have my kids watch it. And, you know, oh, ooh, I react uh, to things that are happening all in our living room. Uh, that's the fruit of the labor. It gets better when you have kids, I think, and they're like involved in the process. Definitely. I, I want to get into the, the family part in a little bit. But um, before we get to that, I, I want to jump into the, so the dancing security, security guard bit. I think people would recognize your face. Uh, mostly for th those viral videos. Um, how did that all start? Um, I, like I mentioned earlier, the first time I'd ever done that, because the funny story was I couldn't dance 
to save my life in, I remember the eighth grade prom. I remember talking about all this stuff I did theatrically uh, in, in middle school, but I couldn't dance to save my life. So in my eighth grade prom, I just kind of like stood around, uh, which was cool at the time. Cause you know, you're playing like all this, you know, bumpity bumpity music and the girls are bumping and bumping and grinding. It's like that <laughs> the movie, the wood kind of standing around. So that, that was okay. But I, I was like, even then I was like, I want to do more, but I don't, I don't know how to dance. You've seen the and, movie, uh, the wood, right? Yeah, <laughs> that scene as I just jumped into my mind, like that scene where he's trying to dance yeah. for the first time, and it's like, "What are you doing?" I had no clue what I was doing <laughs> back then, and uh, all the way through high school, I, I mean, I picked up the split. That was like the one thing that I would always do. <laughs> I, I don't know, know where I got. I got it from James Brown. That's where I got it from. My mother used to play James Brown religiously. She was uh, forty years older than me. And so she's from, you know, growing up in the 50s and 60s, uh, listening to James Brown. So she always played James Brown. And so I knew all the lyrics and all the moves. And, of course, I learned the split from James Brown. And then uh, I started adding things. Like I added the the Spinner Rooney from watching wrestling and watching Booker T. <laughs> and, uh, and then once I had those two things, I mean, it's so simple uh that I only had two moves but once I had those two things I had a little bit more confidence and me and my best friend went to you know some local night places and watched dance circles like we would always go out on a Friday and Saturday night and watch the dance circles and then if we felt confident enough we would go in there he had a lot more moves than I did but I, I would throw my two moves in there and I would pick up things from other people and just, you know, people watch, which is one of my favorite things to do. And it kind of helps with what we do because, you know, you're picking up people's signs of, are they okay? Are they happy? Do they want you to come closer? Do they want to walk farther away? Are they angry? You know, are they angry to a 10 or are they angry to a five? Uh, can you calm them down from being angry? Possibly, you know, <laughs> all these things you're calculating once again, while you're in this thing that you can barely even see. in. I mean, it's like you're working with your other, your other senses. Uh, it's almost like you're blind, but, uh, like I said, calculating risks. So the one who is thinking about doing this. So the million dollar question is, can you do all of the Fortnite dances? Uh, yes. <laughs> you have to. You like, have to stay on top of the stuff with the kids because that's your, your prime target audience. And yeah. whatever they're doing, you got to be able to do it. But you got to be able to do it so well that they're like, oh, my God, that was amazing. So, so you how do you stay on top of it? What's, what are ways that you like, I actually you play Fortnite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you got to be in there with the kids. I, I've never lost that kid mindset. Uh, I mean, of course, I'm an adult and I have children, but you got to be able to stay loose and free with life in general and stop taking things so seriously all the time. And that's how you stay happy. <laughs> how, how do you juggle family life? I mean, you, you've got two children. I've got three kids at the house, and that. Uh, Having the third one definitely even shifted everything um, for me and my wife. Oh, trust me. I was almost shifted in that direction because my son 
was a twin. Uh, almost halfway through the pregnancy, we lost one. But I'm sorry to hear that. I think everything happens for a reason, and uh, I don't think that I can handle two mini me's running around because that's that's another story. Is my son is my carbon copy. So your second son. What's that? So you said it's your your son. So you have you have two kids uh, and daughter and a son. Okay, my daughter so- is seven. But the son is the middle child, or the, the the youngest. Yep. Yeah, that kind of works out that way. My middle son, my the second born, is uh, very similar to me, and it scares me because we butt heads. Because everything to oh, him, yeah. is, everything's a joke. No matter what, you can't. I can't yell at him because no matter what, he gets me laughing, and then that gets my wife mad at me. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's just a thing. It's just having that that middle child or second son um, or second child is always close to dad. Um, and I, I can see, do you, do you see your children ever putting on the suit? <laughs> Funny you should ask. <laughs> I, uh, I literally, my son's four. I literally got his costume in the mail today oh, nice. and started putting it on him. And, uh, uh, if nothing else, we need to do that for father's day, but I think we'll get some other opportunities to bust that out. And he's cool with it. Has he put on the suit before? Today was the first time, but he's he's known that it was coming, and he's been anticipating, and he's been wanting to get in it. So okay, yeah, this my, is uh, yeah. I don't know about getting kids in it. So with having kids and everything, having time, how do you make time for? Because you have a very very busy schedule. Yes. Uh, a lot of times trying to combine where I can, you know, bring them to the games uh, and letting them enjoy the experience. Um, but also, you know, stepping out of suit sometimes, uh, letting other people take the reins, be more of a coordinator uh, so I can have that time with my family. Now, you mentioned earlier that, you know, your kids are kind of psyched knowing that dad is – this performer, this, you know, big deal in Tampa. Um, does that weigh in on your decisions on like your future, how you're doing it? I mean, does them almost having an expectation that dad's always going to be this character? Does that, does that kind of weigh in on anything? Well, that's why I said that I had longevity in mind because, uh, when I was having my daughter, there's <laughs> so many stories I can tell you about that. I missed her birth. Oh, no. working uh, for one of our minor league teams in Alabama, 10 hours away. I drove out there. Whole nother story. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I decided back then that I was going to stop being reckless and buckle down and look at this thing more long-term than short-term uh, and not try to be on ESPN every night by doing something ridiculous. Uh, for example, uh, I used to ride motor vehicles on the field every night. Well, most of the weekend uh, nights. And uh, I, I had a, a, a come to Jesus moment when I crashed one of them outside. Uh, or at least I had an accident with, with one of them. I flipped it. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and I was like, never again. I'm not going to do anything dangerous. Uh, it's not worth it because it's too much fun and I have a family to support. So I need to 
you know, make safe choices and uh, be a model citizen and a uh, humble and modest employee. <laughs> now, have, have you suffered any injuries on the job? Uh, funny you should ask. Uh, it's like I know what's uh, going on. The only thing that I've, I've done, I've known of some things happened to do. The main performer before me, coordinator before me, uh, broke her arm. Uh, she was wearing the suit. Yep. She broke her arm. Um, That's what happens I when you fall off a wall. Finger. I broke my finger once. That's it? That was it. How did you break yeah, it? I, I was in the costume. Uh, a table. I'm not going to tell you how the table fell on my, my hand, but <laughs> the table fell on my hand. Did it? And it busted my finger wide open did it have anything to do with like you know like a wrestling move i was making a grand entrance okay, okay. Uh, oh yeah sounds real grand yeah and for my next trick <laughs> <laughs> blood in my hand oh no uh, and i i was at a, a photo shoot and uh i was supposed to you know scheduled to be there for 20 to 30 minutes i completed the photo shoot after my grand entrance uh, and I told uh, my assistant at the time, you know, don't don't let anybody know this happened. And I told her she didn't she didn't even know until I showed her the blood. And then uh, I go downstairs and she disappears. You know, two minutes later, here come the EMTs, <laughs> oh. and she's like, uh, "I'm sorry, I had to tell her." And uh, they said I had to get stitches, and uh, I did not. I just uh, I nursed it for a few weeks, and then uh, yeah, I, I never went to the hospital for that one. I broke my finger for sure, though. Yeah, it sounds like if you break a finger, did it sounds like the bone came through the skin. Yeah, yeah, you broke it. <laughs> I'm no doctor. So, so, <laughs> so piggybacking off of that question, what is the worst part about you know this career, this industry, as as far as being a mascot? The worst part? Yeah, the worst part. Not getting recognition for being uh, a real employee, not just a clown. That 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 sucks. Like uh, people look down on you almost. It's like you don't do the same quality of work that they're doing. Do you ever get the anybody can do your job? Um, fans, I think. Um... I think every mascot's heard some clown in the stadium or in stands say they they can do your job better. Right. That that's what that's what that, that's the worst part of the job is the devalue. Uh, and it's yeah, honestly it, across the board is getting worse. That, that's what that's what's happening. They're devaluing the job across the board. Uh, I'm lucky and blessed to still be uh, here and doing this thing. And I, I think my lucky star is that every day that I can wake up and still have fun uh, for a job. <clears throat> it's a hard job. And it goes unnoticed sometimes because people are like, he's just having fun. It's not like oh, yeah. he's working or anything. I mean, it doesn't feel like work, but you're working. <laughs> you're working hard. Yeah, my wife used to give me crap about that. I'd, I'd come home excited, you know, like you had a good game, you know, something worked, the crowd enjoyed it. You know, or I'm going, you know, I'm excited because it's a big game and then, you know, but I'm tired and, you know, try to remind her it is a, still a job. I just happen to enjoy it and, you know, kind of use it like, oh, you're getting to go hang out with people. It's like, no, I'm not going to play. I'm working. 
Yeah. That's what sucks about the job. So Except nobody sees it as a job. <laughs> well, and so what do you think? Is it, do you think there's a fix to that? Is, do you have any any ideas how that as an industry can get that fixed? Um, it, it's all about the people that they do entrust with it <clears throat> because they, the people in the past have kind of screwed us over. Um, we've had a lot of drunks and, you know, druggies in the costumes in, in the past. Uh, that's how I got my job and that's how, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks got his job literally the same year. Uh, 2009, the same thing was going on across this, the country. Uh, some guy in a mascot suit is getting plastered <laughs> with or without their mascot vehicle. Wow. Uh, I've heard too many stories of it. And, and that's, that's what screwed us over is that lack of trust uh, because of the stories. And the unprofessional guys have, you know, corrupted the rest of us. It's the old adage of, you know, one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. So if that if that's the worst part, what's the best part about having a having a job as a mascot? Uh making people smile and laugh. There is something so addictive about hearing it. And I, I remember hearing it, you know, when I was in middle school and again when I was in high school and then it I ate it up, man. It's, there's nothing like it. It's like you crave. It's like feed me more. Uh, you can make somebody smile and you see it or you feel it. And you feel them laughing. Uh, it's You hear them laughing like really loudly or talking about something funny that you did, especially if it happens after the fact. That's when you know you really got them. You're, like, you're, you're out there making memories. It's, it's very passionate uh, in that sense, because you're, you're invoking emotions from other people, good emotions. You can change someone's day. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Um, when you're dancing, um, just quick jump back to this. What do you have a go-to song? What is like that jam when it's on, no matter where you are, even if you're not in the costume, like you're, you know, you're at Walmart or you hear it. Is there a song that just sets you off? <laughs> it's usually something with little John. Uh, <laughs> Back in the day, I think my first video that went viral was me dancing to Snap Your Fingers. Yeah. And I've used that one repeatedly, but also James Brown. Uh, and I got to stop going back to the old stuff and keep, you know, reinventing and coming out with, you know, different choreo and different uh, genres of music and try to stay current and try to stay ahead of the curve and, you know, not getting complacent. That's That's another key to having longevity is every year you, you take it as a brand new year, brand new job and uh, not staying complacent and coming up with different things and new ideas and not thinking of things the same way that you did before and coming to an equation and thinking, you know, I'm going to work this a different way. I'm going to think about it a different way and I'm going to answer it a different way. Uh, that's the hard part, but it's also rewarding when you get to do those things. But, but you can always keep using the older music. I mean, the new stuff is trash, right? Oh, you got you got to be <laughs> with new stuff because oh no, it's if awful. The stuff, then you got to you got to do it too. <laughs> Everybody's no. gonna get on the train. 
No, because everybody's just remaking songs or they're, you know, taking samples from the old school stuff that was actually good music and then just kind of mumbling over top of it. You see how that evoked an emotion from you? Oh, yeah. It was not a good emotion, (laughs) but if I was to throw that track in there and then switch it and throw something that you did like, it would take you on a roller coaster. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 180 all the way. So So you've been... You've obviously been doing this a long time, and I don't mean to say that like you're old, um, but you kind of are. Um, <laughs> what what advice would you have for people that are listening that are either just getting into mascotting um, or they are thinking about trying it? Uh, enjoy the little victories and be professional, damn it. It's a real job. And when you say be professional, you mean... Don't try to undercut some of the veterans, you know, by saying you'll do it cheaper or whatever, right? Well, <laughs> first of all, I mean, take it seriously and, you know, put a suit and tie on and act like you care about it. It's uh, dressing for success. It's uh, yes, sir, no, sir. It's uh, not having a big ego and uh, not unimpeding the veterans. So... The, this is one of the last questions. We're we're wrapping this up, um, and I wanted to ask because this is this is a, I mean it's, it's it's real life. Do you have any plans for what comes after the suit? I mean, obviously you can't be in a costume until you're ready to retire at the age of sixty five or seventy two or whatever they're making it these days. It's uh, done. <laughs> but, I mean, do you, do you have a like? What's the backup? What is what is Willis Harris going to be known for next? My fallback, 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 if I ever fall flat on my behind, is teaching. Uh, because you're going to give those same good vibes to someone else that they can use for their entire life. Uh, feeding fish uh, is one thing, but teaching someone how to fish, you know, you'll, they'll eat for a lifetime. That's another old adage. So that's one thing that I could fall back on. And then there's always that acting thing that I could go back to. Uh, it's a lot different when you're uh, a father. So might find something more stable, get a real job. I've never had one. Uh, <laughs> literally, like I said, 16, I was working at Six Flags entertaining people. And I'm 34, about to turn 35. I'm not that old. I'm about to say, I'm older uh, than you, so you're not that old. I'm not that old. I'm a lot older than you. I can still go. I mean, it's a rough 35, but I mean, it's. (laughs) (laughs) I can still go. Uh, And they're they're gonna make glue out of this old horse yet. All right, so let's let's do some. We're gonna do 20 questions real quick. We're gonna do 20 rapid fire questions. They have no rhyme or reason to them. They don't have anything to do with each other, but. We're just going to ask them, and I say we, it's just me. Um, I'm going to ask them and just get a response from you, and um, you can pass. I'll let you pass on one of them if you need to. Okay. I don't think you're going to need to. There's nothing crazy, but um, all right. You ready? Ready. All right, number one. If you were in the Witness Protection Program, what would your new name be? Bartholomew James. All right. What board game do you hate the most? Monopoly. What song would you sing for your American Idol audition? A Change Gonna Come. By who? Uh, Otis Ready. Okay. I, I don't know that song. I don't, at least I don't think I do. 
Um, what's, what's your favorite day of the week? Saturday. If you won a million dollars, what would be the first thing that you would buy? A house. Who's your favorite band? Maroon 5. <laughs> Seriously? I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> the, the dude, they ruined the, the, the whole, the whole uh, Super Bowl. They ruined for me. I love Adam Levine. <laughs> All right. If you could only watch one movie for the rest of your life, which movie would it be? Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. All righty then. The first one? Or this, that's the first one, right? That's the first one. Uh, what time do you normally go to bed? <laughs> uh, one o'clock. All right. What, is, uh, what shoe size do you wear? Twelve. Uh, what's one toy that you always wanted as a kid but never got? I wanted a uh, Red Ryder BB gun, but they always said you shoot your eye out. All right. Um, uh, would you dress in drag for 25 bucks? No. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the most famous person you've ever met? Uh, I've met a lot of wrestlers. Uh, should I single one out? Yeah, single one out. Batista. Okay, um, I've met him too. Not a nice guy. Um, what other language would you like to be fluent in? Japanese. What is your favorite smell? The smell of cash. Do you believe in Bigfoot? No. Who was your first celebrity crush? Uh, Raven Simone. What? Uh, yeah, that didn't work out. Um, what fashion trend do you wish go would just go away? Skinny jeans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, name a TV show that you secretly enjoy. Wrestling. <laughs> WWE Raw. All right. Did you ever own a Bare Naked Lady CD? No. How many slices of pizza are you capable of eating in one sitting? At least 20. <laughs> All right, man. That's 20 questions. You nailed it. Good job. <laughs> Got it. Hey, you didn't pass on any of them. <laughs> so uh before we go before i let you uh you know it's not your bedtime yet but it's getting close um before i let you go what else do we need to know about willis harris uh i'm not going away <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a job interview uh, uh i might be stopped at this point in time in my life because everybody's asking me that question what am i going to do next is almost like they're trying to push me to the next <laughs> stage of my life but uh, uh whatever i do i'm going to crush it if it's uh if i have to dive head first into acting or whether it's voice work uh whatever it is i'm going to crush it my name will be in lights because it was destined to be I, I was gonna play the audio from um, from uh, African American Austin for you. African American Austin. <laughs> it's one of my many, 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 many characters. It is. I, I, I found uh, I found your YouTube channel and it was cracking me up because I think it shows a, a different side. You're not just a clown dancing around in a costume or um, dancing on the field. You can see in these videos, the acting chops that you, you spoke of earlier and the, uh, the improv of, uh, ability. And I think people listening, I think performers are kind of thought of as one trick ponies, you know, or like they're just dancers or they're just, you know, comedic, um, improv, uh, performers. But I think you are one. And that's why I wanted to have you on as one of, as our first 
um, unsuited interview is I think that you embrace or you embody kind of that that whole performer of having um, a lot of abilities, and you're really good at all of them. Thank you very much. I was like just saying nice things about you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Willis. Um, I really appreciate you uh, coming on with us and um, being part of this uh, this unsuited. I mean, you got unsuited, right? Yes. And I'm sure we're going to have you on again because I, if I didn't, if I heard it five or six times that you you have these stories, you're like I could go on about that. So we're going to take you up on that, and we're going to have to reschedule you um, later on, and we're going to hear some more stories from you because I think that's something. I think people like hearing that, you know, it's like, tell us the one story. Like, what ha- do, you, do you have a story, you know, as we, as we wrap this up? Is there a story that you think listeners would be shocked that has happened to you, something you've seen? It doesn't have to be a bad story. It could just be something like one of those aha moments in your, in your life. Uh, I have a random story that I tell people about when I was working as Homer. Okay. Uh, I had diarrhea one time <laughs> in costume and uh, I couldn't take it. And I, I was like literally finding a restroom. Like I went to the first place I could find, sat down, did my business. And uh, I was getting to that relief point in my stomach where I was just like, ah, take a deep breath. And next thing I know, I hear like click, 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 click. I'm like, what? what is with all this clicking? I look down and I see heels coming in in a barrage. I'm in the ladies' restroom, and uh, I got to get out of here. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but you were in a were you in costume? I was in costume. Yeah, I well, was you, in costume. Eh, you can say you're a girl in there at that point. You can fake it. You can fake it. I did. Just kind of sissy walk out. It's just kind of <laughs> <laughs> I mean, since you won't do a drag, I, I, you just have to fake it. Yeah. All right, well, I, so, <laughs> I, I appreciate you coming on with us. Um, very eye-opening. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll meet up at the. Uh, are you going to come to the mascot games? I will be there. Then with my yeah, friends. We are trying to get there. Um, you know, maybe some media get there and um, you know cover the event for the first time since I won't haven't haven't been there since the uh, the new regime. Um, so we're we're trying to grease some wheels and figure out how to get on get in on the inside. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll meet up. Uh, we'll go out and uh, uh, drinks on me. All right. You just, it just has to be domestic. All right. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate it. You have a good night. All right. You as well.